he's a coward. There's no other conclusion to come to that he's both afraid of me and he's afraid of defending his record. And if I had his record, I'd be nervous about showing up too. Oh, Chris Christie, you are precious. Now you sit down and have yourself some pie while the grown-ups go figure out who's going to be president of the United States, okay? Okay. The truth is, is that all of us at one time were actually fans of Chris Christie. And I do not believe he would be the worst president in history by far. And if my choice was Chris Christie or Joe Biden, there is no question. Now, if you say to me, I'm voting for Trump, and if Christie's the nominee, I'm not voting, you're, you're just the same as a never-Trumper. We really do have to break that down, but let's leave that to the side just for a moment, and let's get into this debate thing, where Donald Trump is not going to go to the debate on Wednesday in Milwaukee. He will do a one-on-one interview with Tucker Carlson. Chris Christie calls him a coward. Chris Christie has nothing else he could possibly say about Donald Trump. Trump not showing up to the debate is not cowardice. It's something completely different. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY. 833-468-8669. You want to say that Trump not showing up to the debate is cowardice? Call in. Debate it with me. 833-GOT-TONY. No, Trump not showing up to the debate is about safety. Four indictments. And everything he says is going to be used against him in a court of law. And you have seven people on that stage, eight people on that stage, who want to absolutely pillory you. They want to destroy you. They want to turn you into Ned Stark. That would be head on a pike for those people who don't know the reference. There is no value in it. Oh, you mean he's too afraid, afraid to face people who disagree with him? No, no, I don't believe that to be true at all. I think I made myself pretty clear. If Trump's the nominee, I'll vote for him, but I don't think Trump can win a general election. I think I've been pretty clear on the subject, and I'm going to get clearer as the days and weeks go on. But afraid is just... Uh, afraid is this this silly kind of commentary... I think that comes up uh, when you have nothing else and believe that what you could do is is go after someone's, I guess, manhood in a way. This That is not to say that there aren't moments of true cowardice out there, whether on a local level or a national level, when people won't engage in conversations. But since Trump is so willing to engage in conversations everywhere... Him not attending a debate cannot be utilized as a conversation of cowardice, just as a matter of data, right? The the, the logic tells you Trump is a guy who speaks anywhere, anytime to anyone. The debate he's not showing up to. You think he's afraid of those people? Just as a a quick gut check, just a, a show of hands. Who here thinks that Donald Trump is afraid of a debate with Ron DeSantis? Raise your hand. Go on, put them up high. It's sometimes hard to see the people uh, in, in, the, in the back of the room. If you think that Trump is afraid to debate Ron DeSantis or Chris Christie or, or uh, Asa Hutchinson. That's, um, um, that's no one. 
I don't know why there would be crickets for a raise of hands, but it's radio and it's theater of the mind. It's no one. Stop it. It's not cowardice. It is a recognition that everything said in the debate is going to get used in a courtroom in Fulton County, Georgia. It is. And you don't allow unscripted moments to take place. You must be able to control the conversation, which brings us to the Tucker Carlson interview. Good on Tucker. Good on him to be able to get the interview. To get the interview. They call Tucker. Let's just be perfectly clear on how that went down. Um, Tucker doesn't care that he's disrupting uh, the, the RNC. Tucker doesn't care that he's disrupting Fox News. As a matter of fact, he's thrilled by disrupting Fox News. When he found out there was an opportunity to screw over Fox, this is an exact quote from inside Tucker HQ. Yes! 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 I mean, that, that that's exactly it. Rick wants to know uh, via email, if Trump goes on Tucker, then what is the difference? The difference between going on Tucker and going into a debate is the control of the conversation. You're dealing with one person, one source, and you don't have to worry about a flip or glib answer because you can control how you give the answers. Now you say to me, Tony, it's Trump. What in the world can this man possibly control? Well, that, of course, is the risk. If your question, Rick, was why is he doing any kind of press at all, I would say to you, ah, now that's an interesting question because that's one we can all get around. Why even bother? His answer in not doing the debate is uh, everyone knows who I am. I don't need to. I don't need to introduce myself to anybody. Everyone knows uh, who I am, so so that's it. I'm not. Go- I'm not going to do it. That answer is, um, yeah, it's, um, uh, what's the word? Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good answer. It's not a good, I'm going to do the interview with Tucker because, uh, uh, the debate, everyone knows who I am and I don't need to introduce myself. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. It's not, it's not it. It's not it. Why Tucker? Uh, Kay Adams, who hates me, by the way, on social media, uh, he's going to destroy the deep state, but the debate is too risky? Oh. Oh, that's... That's silly. That's a silly statement. He has a record now, and he's not the same guy as 2015 Trump. No, he's got four indictments. That much is is true. That's legitimate. But what record does he have? Being accused uh, of uh, conspiring with the Russians that never happened? Being accused of starting an insurrection that didn't happen? He has a record of being falsely charged is what he has. Do you see how easy that spin is? And then uh, Kay uh, over here follows up. He lost his debate to Biden. You pretending he's a juggernaut on the debate stage is false. First, did I use the word juggernaut at all? Secondly, should we take a look at the polling? Come on, let's do it together. What the hell? We're, We're all here. 
Let's take a look at the polling. You want to take a look at the polling that shows Trump beating Biden head to head? This is CBS YouGov. I swear to you, oh dear God, the CBS YouGov poll, August 16th to August 18th, DeSantis has 16. He's up, actually. Ramaswamy is 7. Pence is 5. Haley and Christie are at 2%. Donald Trump is at 62. The guy's at 62%. I'm sorry, I didn't call him a juggernaut because juggernaut is not even a good enough word to describe a guy at 62 freaking percent. Are you kidding? Let me ask you a question, Kay Adams on Twitter. Your hatred of Trump, do you really think that actually suffices for intellect? All I do is look at the data and engage it exactly the way it is. I've already said that I don't think Trump can win a general because this is all primary stuff, people. This ain't where America's at, although there are certainly polls, like I said, that show Trump beating Biden. Can you imagine how little the country thinks of Biden that the guy with four indictments and two impeachments under his belt is considered a better choice? Can we discuss how bad all this looks for Biden? This old, pathetic, decrepit man who doesn't give a damn about the people of Maui. Ooh. Oh, he does not care about the people of Maui. I will I will get into that. By the way, the Iowa polling. Oh, this is new. Oh, there's two new ones. Sorry. I didn't catch this earlier. Uh, actually, not horrible news for Ron DeSantis. There's a very unique story in here. Oh, we're going to break this down. So in the, in the, in the poll that ended August 1st, uh, Trump was at 44 and DeSantis was at 20. In the last two, there's Trafalgar and then there's the NBC News Des Moines Register poll. In the Trafalgar poll, which I, I think people could, could have yays or nays about, Trump 42, DeSantis 16, Tim Scott 13. Huh. What a jump for Tim Scott. Into I mean, that is into the double digits with the Trafalgar poll. They're going to be excited about that. Let's go to the NBC News Des Moines Register poll. Certainly not outfits that would be uh, Trump crazy. Trump 42, DeSantis 19. That poll along with Trafalgar, and you go to the one before that, the New York Times, where DeSantis was at 20, this would show me that DeSantis has picked up a touch. Certainly not enough compared to a 42. Trump is down to 42 from 44. You know what I mean? That, that, much, that much is the truth, right? That's, that, that, that's tiny. DeSantis is bigger. And at least for him, he's going to say, you know what? We're finally, people are realizing they have to do something other than Trump. That's how that one's going to play down, break down. But the data speaks for itself in what Trump is doing, even with all of this stuff around him. And certainly he can utilize that to sell the argument, I do not have to do a debate. But doing the thing with Tucker. If you ask me, as if I was consulting what I think he should do, I would tell him he's criminally insane 
to do the interview with Tucker Carlson that it can only hurt. Because what I'm hoping is Tucker is Tucker. Follow me here. I will probably be the only person in America who engages this this way. I do not know Tucker on a personal basis except to say I have I, I met with him one time in his office years ago because I had an idea. I've done the show. Uh, he has always been very, very nice, and I don't, I don't have a bad word to say about the dude. Even when I disagree with him, what I appreciate is that while so many people are engaged in commentating, Tucker's engaged in leading a conversation. Picture it. Picture the people on on cable news all all around. They're all reacting to news. No one is bringing a thought, right? Something original, something interesting, a, 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 a philosophy. And holding to it and demanding other people answer about it. Creating news, if you will, as opposed to reacting to news. If, if you want to know why people are attracted to Tucker Carlson, that's it. You can get a reactionary dude anywhere. Get somebody who's thinking and you're like, hot diggity dog. Because whether I agree or not is inconsequential. It's that there's something to think about there. Hmm, let me let me go. Okay, that's interesting. That's why. That's why. It is my hope that Tucker is exactly that guy in the interview with Trump. I don't want Trump let up on. I don't want a softball for Trump. I want questions. And I want him to demand answers. I don't want to hear, I'll have this war ended in 24 hours. No, 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 no. How? How are you going to stop Russia? How are you going to stop Ukraine in 24 hours? Saying it is meaningless. Saying I'll get it done is meaningless. And by the way, if you're a Trump supporter and you're like, oh, we'll have the war solved in 24 hours. You mean just like I'll have the wall built and Mexico pay for it? That argument is totally fine, totally sound. You just have no answer for it because it is a platitude that he's putting out there. Some random statement that now I'm supposed to take as gospel and I don't do that. Tell me your plan. Tell me your strategy. Tell me your philosophy. You don't have to give me every last detail, but you got to give me something. And saying I'd have this end in 24 hours doesn't mean anything. And if he says it, I want Tucker to press. Now, if Tucker doesn't press, that is going to be an issue. That is going to be a problem. That is going to get picked up on. If I'm Trump, I don't do it anyway. Everything can and will be used against you in a court of law. But as we all know, uh, you can't stop the guy from doing the thing he wants to do. So he's right not to debate. And Chris Christie saying he's a coward is just some foolhardy uh, sputtering of a foolhardy man. That's all there is to this. Now the question is, am I covering the debate or am I covering the interview? Let me know on the Twitter X thing there at Tony Katz or Tony at TonyKatz.com. Which one should I cover live? This is Tony Katz today.
over the weekend, a lot of talk about how the Biden administration is going to push for more lockdowns and force masks. They're bringing COVID back. I'm sorry, we were discussing this two weeks ago. Why is this news now? And why would you ever share anything with me that came from Alex Jones? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-468-8669-833, got Tony. Sorry, I just don't I just don't want anything from Alex Jones in my life. Don't want it, not interested in it, thank you very much. But we saw that they're starting to talk more about COVID a few weeks ago. We have... Um, We have spoken about it repeatedly. Now, as uh, Fox News is reporting it, the CDC reporting an increase in COVID-19 infections across the U.S., well below the levels during the pandemic. And the Biden administration, the same Biden administration that declared the pandemic over, um, it... uh, they're, they're pushing people to get booster shots this fall. Booster shots. We will be encouraging all Americans to get those boosters in addition to flu shots and RSV shots. That's respiratory syncytial virus. Who's getting flu sh- Who I mean, who's getting booster shots? If they push masks, you're going to wear them? Are you willing to tell your employer no? Are you willing to say no? Are you willing to say to the the, 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 the state that pushes uh, forces masks, we're not doing this? Who's willing to lose everything? I bring this up because two things are at play here. Number one, who would actually be surprised? Who would be surprised that... This conversation is happening. That the idea will be uh, uh, who uh, someone uh, referred to it as um, this is the election variant of COVID. Start talking about it now because the election is going to come up. And you know, you got to have more mail in balloting because it's too dangerous out there because of COVID. They're desperate for mail in balloting. Mail in balloting allows cheating. Of course it does. So no one is surprised by this maneuver. I think the question for us, the free and thinking members of society, is how we will react to it. We saw society shut down, and we saw people angry about it, but do nothing about it. What will happen this time? If the state of name your state decides to shut things down, are you going to listen to them, or are you going to keep the restaurant open? And when the cops show up, are you willing to say, nah, we're not, we're not doing this? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Why don't you take a walk? And how about police officers? You're really going to go there and shut them down? You're going to take down the license plates of churches? Or are you going to remember where your oath lies? See, the the issue from the government, I know what this administration is going to do. Just not so sure where the people are. And whether or not they will really stand up for themselves. Will we stand up to China? That story next. The headline was about China cutting some rates on a one-year rate and not a five-year rate. And I think normally in a normal world, you'd just be like, I don't care what China is doing at all in any way, shape, or form. I can understand not being worried about what China does. 
But what happens when what China does has an absolute effect to where you live in the Midwest? That the global economy is clearly at your doorstep. It is in what you buy that gets delivered to your doorstep at Amazon. It is what you're buying at the store. It is how the people dealing with your retirement fund feel at any one moment, never mind the things that they're actually investing in. To understand how it affects us, we first have to understand the fact that what's happening in China matters to us. This is happening not because you like it, not because you wanted to, but because it is. And if you don't understand it, you ain't ever going to understand how to deal with it. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, what's going down? 833-GOT-TONY, that's the number, 833-468-8669. Find everything at TonyKatz.com, that's K-A-T-Z, TonyKatz.com. Dr. Matt Will joins us, economist at the University of Indianapolis, joining me to break it all down because uh, the these, these things, you know, it, it was two parts, right? It was the Wall Street Journal saying rates in China cut again, but by less than expected, you have uh, CNBC, China's central bank trims one-year rate, but unexpected, unexpectedly leaves their five-year rate unchanged. They are talking about the rate that their central bank uh, charges for a loan. A one-year loan price goes down. A five-year loan price stays the same. When you saw this, what did you say to yourself and what did the investor class say? Tony, what I saw... We talked about some of this on Friday, and between Friday and today, a lot has changed. Things that are alarming me and alarming people who look at the Chinese economy because they cut their rate, Tony. We're not cutting rates right now. The Fed is increasing rates. The European Central Bank is increasing rates. The United Kingdom is increasing rates. They're trying to control inflation. China's doing the opposite. What does that tell us, uh, Tony? That tells us that they may be not inflation, but past hyperinflation into recession depression mode, similar to what we've seen in Japan for the last 30 years. People don't even realize the Japanese economy has been at the same GDP level for 30 years. Rates up, rates down, it doesn't matter. China may be in a lot more desperate condition, Tony, a lot worse than we realized just three days ago. Let's make sure we understand what we're saying. We have seen inflation increase in the United States, and therefore you have seen interest rates go up. Interest rates going up in the United States have hit in a lot of places, and certainly real estate is one of them. I want to share this with you. This is a, a, a two-parter that took place on CNN. I, I think it was actually, maybe it was, no, it was just the other day. It was just the other day. Watch this. Listen to this. So this morning, mortgage rates in the United States have soared to their highest level in more than 20 years. Now, according to the data from Freddie Mac, the 30-year fixed rate mortgage averaged above 7% over the week ending yesterday. A year ago, just over 5%. Now, that's the story. A year ago, 5%, now 7%. But let's go back two years when the inflation really started to become a conversation. Let me just show you, to your point, what mortgage rates have looked like over the last few years. Now, if you were lucky enough to lock in rates in August of 2021, well done. Let's say your mortgage repayments was $1,000 there. Today, your option is paying double that, even for above-income, average-income families. 
that's a huge whack. So you understand the problem here. Now, it's great. Let's be clear if you're a homeowner. But if the big American dream is to own your home, perhaps leave that money to your kids one day, um, that's getting further and further away. 20 in 2021, 2.86% on a 30-year fixed. Now 7.09. And that number is going to hit 7.3. And these things are going up because interest rates were pushed up. What the Federal uh, Reserve is charging people to to share money, to to, to borrow money, lend money, if, if you will. And these things have gone up. We have all felt the effects of it. You're now discussing the fact that China has cut rates and that indicator to you is not things are good, but things are worse than they told us originally. Tony, it's beyond desperation because think of it like this. Think of China as being three years ahead of us or two years ahead of us. They had hyperinflation. Now, they'll say, no, 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 our inflation was mild. We know the Chinese government lies. I'll give you an example. We have a lot of Chinese students who come to the University of Indianapolis. The first thing we do is put them on a bus and take them down to the uh, outlet malls in Edinburgh so that they can purchase a lot of stuff made in China because it's so expensive in China. So Chinese government lies about their inflation. So they've been through hyperinflation. They now, Tony, are towards recession, depression direction. And so what are they trying to do? They're trying to spur some growth. So they're desperate. They're cutting their rates, hoping that people will borrow cheap money and buy stuff. Tony, this is the, the ultimate sign of desperation that they're trying to juice the economy. They're given that injection of morphine saying, get going. Tony, this is not a good sign. And there's going to be ripple effects. But this, the, the, the injection of morphine is an interesting uh, line because that's meant to dull the senses. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the idea of cutting the rates... Is that the same idea as when we discuss Keynesian economics, John Maynard Keynes, and the idea that how you get an economy going is to prime the pump? Spending is what actually moves an economy. Now, I'm not a, a believer in this economic philosophy. I think it's, it's absolutely horrific. I think that F.A. Hayek is much more uh, on track in the conversation of savings and what that does for an economy. But is this, is this the attempt, lower that, that rate, get that quick money going into the system or at least getting it borrowed and somehow that's going to work out for them. Is that the plan? And has that ever in history worked out for a nation? Uh, Tony, that's exactly the plan. And no, it has never worked out in history. And that's exactly what we're seeing China do right now. They've had the inflation. They've been fighting the inflation monster unsuccessfully. Again, they lie about their data. We know on the ground from businesses what they're experiencing. Their economy has slowed. In fact, again, their data is false. They may actually be in a recession already. And they are so desperate to get it going that they're trying to inject it right now with some juice to get this thing moving. So you're right. Morphine may have not been the right analogy, but they're trying to put some drug in this economy to get it going. That's a sign of desperation. And that's what we see happening. Tony, they used to lend money. And they still do to say, hey, build a building. We talked about this on Friday. Put up a, you know, a, a, a ghost city just to get people working, building stuff, making things. Tony, it didn't work. Evergrande went under. The top three indices of REITs in Singapore for China are down 66% over a year. Whoa, whoa. year. Definition, REIT. Oh, a real estate investment trust. So it's, it's a, like a mutual fund that invests in real estate. 
So the top three mutual funds, if you will, called REITs that invest in Chinese real estate are down two thirds year over year. This is more than just Evergrande. So the Chinese government is going nuts. They're thinking, okay, real estate's bursting. What do we do? Quick, give the economy some drugs, cheap money. Tony, it's not working. This is this, the ripple effect you talked about at the beginning. We may want to get into it. How is this going to affect everybody else that the Chinese economy is collapsing? Oh, we, we are going to get into it. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of, of Indianapolis. Uh, yes, uh, the, the word you're looking for is uh, epinephrine or adrenaline. Yes, that is the shot that uh, these economies are, are looking for. Knowing that something doesn't work is not often the thing that stops people from doing the thing. We see this time and again, and certainly we see that China has been willing to lie. Uh, we talked about Evergrande, which is this real estate conglomerate, if you will. They've lost $81 billion between 2021, and now they've gone to Manhattan courts and other courts around the globe to declare bankruptcy uh, because of their real estate holdings and that there's there's nothing there. And this was a, a, a problem to you, uh, as we discussed it last week, but also predictable in as we talk about the ghost cities the building of apartments that nobody is going to rent because even china doesn't have enough people to rent them they certainly don't have the money uh to 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 rent them this in the cutting of the rates you see as much bigger of a problem we know that they don't report their youth unemployment anymore how exactly how many economists like yourself saw that news today about china cutting one-year rates and said, oh, oh, this is really bad. Well, I'll give you the, the information on that one, Tony. UBS announced today a significant cut in the growth forecast for the Chinese economy. UBS, one of the largest banks in the world. This is on the heels of JP Morgan, Morgan Stanley, Barclays, Nomura. So, Tony, other banks, the major economic analysis institutions in this world, are cutting the growth forecast for China. And it gets worse because China is nervous about these banks doing this because these banks are cutting their forecast because they're giving the public information that China doesn't want you to have. They're now attacking these financial institutions. Tony, a company called Mintz Group, which is one of the major statistical analysis financial research country, companies in the world, they were fined $1.5 million by the Chinese government this week for doing statistical analysis on the economy. For telling the truth. Yes. Right. One and a half million dollars for just telling the truth. They were raided. Bain Capital had their offices raided for the same reason. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Now let's get into it. And certainly, as there are global pressures, there are going to ha we're going to feel an effect on a very, very large scale level in the United States. And there is global recession. We know there's recession in, in Europe and we know that China uh, lies. And since so many nations depend on China for the per for the purchase of cheap and effective goods, uh, there's there is an effect throughout the economy. Get into some Midwest specifics here, because um, we often hear about how these things affect Wall Street. Well, there's a lot more than Wall Street out there. Midwest Main Street has been feeling the effects of this economy for three years. As, as somebody put in the comments, Bidenomics is clearly working, which it isn't. But I don't know if you can blame everything in China on Bidenomics. How does the China situation affect Midwest Main Street? Tony, let me first tell you how it in fact impacts Japan. 
I know that's coming out of left field here. Japan, which remember back in the 80s was like the growing economy, the one that we were looking at as our major competitor, they stalled. Their economy has been totally stalled in depression slash recession for 30 years. Japan had 6% growth last quarter, 6%. Why? Because they're getting business from China. They're now becoming an exporter like they were in the 80s. We buy stuff from China, Tony. We buy cheap goods. We buy our supply chain. So when China suffers, there's an impact on us. Less goods, supply chain slows down. You don't have as many choices and the things are, are, are not as cheap. We had a recession, Tony, in 2008 that we caused. The U.S. economy, real estate bubble burst, caused a global recession. China is going to do the same thing. It, can, do you parallel it that much? Yes, Tony. They're the second biggest economy in the world. I mean, they gave us COVID and look what happened. China can impact the world. They did it with a, with a virus. They're going to do it with the economy. It's going to happen. Talk to me about what people on Midwest Main Street will see first. I mean, we already have things that we have seen, but that has come from levels of U.S. spending, lies about the Inflation Reduction Act and other things. We're talking about the price of milk, uh, the price of eggs. Gas last week was uh, at three eighty-five a gallon. I don't know what the average is now, but it was the highest it was uh, in, in, in 10 months. Uh, as China starts to implode, uh, number one, uh, what what is it that we will see on the front lines? And then number two, what should we be looking for down the road as an indicator of further implosion? Well, down the road and right now are, are, are linked, Tony, because what businesses have already started doing very quietly behind the scenes is shifting their resources from China to India, to Taiwan, to Japan, to South Korea. You know, we see this monumental meeting between Biden, South Korea, and Japan happening right now, which I think is a good thing. These two countries hate each other, South Korea and Japan, yet they're coming together as a substitute in part, not just for national security, of economic um, agreement against China. So you're going to start seeing shifting of things. Now, it's not going to happen overnight. That's the long-term, short-term connection, Tony. Over time, we're going to slowly wean ourselves off the Chinese economy. That's not easy. That is not going to happen quick. And there is pain involved in that when you don't get things you need. Tony, things you buy in your daily life and your computer and your cell phone are made in China. So the question is, do you start seeing less of that stuff in the store or do you start saying, never mind the cell phone? How about T-shirts? How about the way you clothe your kids when you've got young kids and you're buying inexpensive clothes because they burn through it so quick and that $2 t-shirt is now $3.50 t-shirt or the pair of jeans or the pair of shoes is up $5.75 and it's no longer made in China. It's made somewhere else. And certainly I want to see that manufacturing coming back to the U.S., but it involves a cost. When do you believe uh, the average consumer, Midwest consumer, start seeing that price increase? Never mind the price increases they've already have uh, seen because of our own inflation. I'm talking about because specifically of the China implosion. Uh, Tony, you already see it. And what's going to happen is we're going to confuse it. We're going to see the price increases because we think it's related to the Bidenomics inflation, when in fact it's related to the Chinese inflation. So you're going to see that connection happen immediately and continue on. I actually think long-term it's going to be beneficial I think maybe two or three years down the road, we'll wean ourselves off of the Chinese economy. It's not easy. It's going to be painful. So just to warn people, 
but it will happen but it's going to take a few years and china is going to look to other places to try and gain back that economy and that creates a very unstable world watching their relationship with russia watching their relationship with iran and with others we'll we'll follow that as well dr matt will economist at the university of indianapolis follow him on twitter at d-r-m-a-t-t-w-i-l-l twitter x app i don't know what we call it it's x it's twitter you guys you guys figure it out dr matt will i appreciate you more is coming up i'm tony counts i'm jason But also expected to meet a little friction. Not only are people unhappy about the local and state and county response and about the speed of it, but also about sort of the perceived lack of communication from federal officials. I was wrong. Maui is Biden's Katrina. This has been a horrific response. I thought it had been about, you know, getting down there too quickly. And why wasn't he down there? Because you need the time for the cleanup to happen. The lack of response, the the progressive nature of the response, meaning progressive politics getting in the way, blaming things on global warming when that's not the case. You didn't get water to firefighters. And Biden like, nope, I don't have an answer. Nope, I have no comment. His Katrina. I'll have more on this coming up. This is Tony Katz today.